0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you on behalf of IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Most of our guests on NDE Radio have unexpected NDEs, but today's guest, Stephanie Arnold, had repeated premonitions of her coming death when she was pregnant with her second child. After finding out she had a placenta previa, meaning her placenta was growing on top of her cervix, she began experiencing intense visions of dying during childbirth. Doctors told her she had nothing to worry about, but during her emergency C-section in May of 2013, Stephanie flatlined for 37 seconds. Her survival resulted only because of the extra precautions her concerns had prompted, such as having extra O-negative blood on hand. With the help of a regression therapist, Stephanie was able to understand more about her resulting NDE as well as start the healing process. Stephanie's early career was as an Emmy-nominated and award-winning TV producer who spent 27 years creating and producing TV shows, music videos, and documentaries. Today, she offers support to families affected by trauma and surviving against the odds. She has appeared on numerous TV shows to tell her story, including Good Morning America, The Megyn Kelly Today Show, The Dr. Oz Show, and she's currently streaming on Netflix's Surviving Death. The story of her experience is told in her memoir 37 seconds dying revealed heaven's help. Stephanie, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lee.
0: Oh, well, it's wonderful to have you. And it's really this is really an interesting story and quite different from a lot of the of the uh, stories that uh, we generally feature. Stephanie, you wrote about your premonitions such as and I'll, I'll just quote a little bit here. I was taking my daughter to school in New York City, and I was walking across a park past a fountain, and all of a sudden I had a vision of the fountain going from water to blood. There was blood leaking out of everywhere. Uh, My hands got cold, and I had to catch myself off balance. And then you go on to say the next day I was walking in the bakery aisle of the grocery store when all of a sudden I had a vision of me being buried, having dirt thrown on my casket, and my husband reciting prayers these were the kinds of things that were happening to me multiple times a day y- you must have been going crazy
1: <laughs> yeah i mean even you just reading back and hearing it in your voice in a storyteller voice i i start shaking because the obviously the the cells of the body remember trauma um but Yeah, I had visceral reactions to these visions. So just like you gave the example of the fountain, as soon as the fountain, it was dry, it was a winter day, it was cold. I was explaining to my daughter that, oh, when the fountain is flowing, it's just nice, and and all of a sudden in mind's eye, the fountain turned to blood, and then I felt my body hemorrhage. I felt the blood drain from my body. And at that moment, I caught myself on the... um, the carriage, like the um, stroller, and I called my husband and I said, meet me at the ER, um, I'm hemorrhaging. And he'd meet me at the ER, they'd triage me, the doctor would be like, everything's fine, Mrs. Arnold, are you okay? I'm like, no, obviously I'm hemorrhaging. And they're like, no, you're not, everything's fine. Amniotic fluid is fine, baby's fine, you're fine. Maybe you're just stressed. And wow. my husband would, you know, at that moment, say, you know, oh, it's a false alarm. And I'm like, no, this is a warning. And it was going over and over and over again, I had um, I had visions that my placenta previa, as you described, would turn into an accreta, which is what um, the famous Kim Kardashian had. And it's basically when the placenta marries itself to the uterus. And I kept seeing this lava lamp kind of squashing together of the two organs. And when I read that a placenta accreta can cause hemorrhage and then can um, necessitate a hysterectomy and not only could you die, baby could die I sat back and I looked at my husband and I said this is going to happen to us, the only difference is the baby's going to survive <laughs> and, go ahead sir.
0: Well, now your husband as you describe him is is a very scientific minded, rational uh, person who doesn't, probably wouldn't necessarily believe in, in visions Uh, or premonitions. Was he being, was he being very patient with you through all of this?
1: You know, my, my husband is a former air force pilot. He's a PhD economist from the university of Chicago. He is very rational and logical. So for him, you know, he loves his wife and he's listening to her by saying, okay, we don't have all the facts. We don't have all the data, but let's check it out. So every appointment, checked out those boxes and everything was fine. So in, in all of my doctor's defenses, um, I had tests, tests were negative, And ultimately that was good enough for my husband to say we are good. But for me, I had this sinking feeling, just this knowing that it was going to happen. And I was going to stop at nothing until somebody finally heard me. Mm. So, um, I made an appointment at, at, we were going back and forth between Chicago and New York. And finally I was grounded in Chicago. So I knew I was going to deliver in Chicago. And, um, I met with the head of gynecological oncology at Northwestern, which wasn't an easy appointment to make when you do not have reproductive organ cancer. But ultimately I'm sitting in the, in the waiting room and there are women, who are suffering from cancer and they have IVs in their arm and they've lost a lot of hair. And my husband was with me and he was like, I am embarrassed to be here. And I said, I'm sorry to tell you that, but I don't know what else to do. Everybody's telling me there's nothing wrong. And maybe this doctor has heard this before and maybe he can give us something to do, or I can point to something, um, because I feel like I'm going crazy. And, The head of Gynon sat us down in the consultation room and he started, he had his resident taking notes and they said, how can I help you? And I said, well, my placenta previa is going to turn into an accreta. I'm going to need a hysterectomy. And I hear that with my OB in an emergency situation during a delivery, they would pass it to maternal fetal medicine, but maternal fetal medicine doesn't have as much experience with high risk reproductive organ surgery. So I am pointing to you to give me a hysterectomy when I deliver this baby. And he looks at me, and <laughs> he, he says, "Yeah." He says, um, "Mrs. Arnold, um, have you been on the internet?"
0: <laughs> I know. I as uh, I was a chaplain, a hospital chaplain for fifteen years, and I can just imagine a patient telling a doctor what was going to happen and w- why they wanted him or her to do it. Uh, they but- just. It, it, it wouldn't compute at all. <laughs> it,
1: it didn't compute. I mean, to his credit, he said, look, you know, he's like, what you're afraid of happening is, is not going to happen. But let's get an MRI and see if the accreta, this merger between the two organs is there. And if it is, then I will schedule myself for the hysterectomy at the time of your delivery. <laughs> and I felt better because now I had something to do. Maybe there was something physiologically happening in my body that was sending these strange signals to my brain. Um, And maybe I'm just intuitive enough that I saw it ahead of time or felt it ahead of time. Mm. So the MRI comes back negative and my husband looks at me and he says, you should feel better. And I said, I don't, I feel worse because now I'm running out of people to tell my crazy foreboding story to." So I took to Facebook. I said, if anybody has my blood type, I'm going to need extra blood. I'm O negative. I'm part of 7% of the population. I'm like, I'm going to need a lot of blood. I wrote goodbye letters. I sent out goodbye letters. I told everybody what was going to happen a couple of months before it happened. And then one time, um, my doctor who you saw on the Netflix special, you know, Julie Levitt, she said, you know, stuff, still having the visions. And I said, yes, they're getting worse. Just like, I'm seeing it. You know, everybody's seeing an open highway and I see an 18 wheeler heading straight for my face. And she's like, well, why don't you have a consultation with anesthesia? And, you know, maybe that'll make you feel better. And what I didn't know at the time is anesthesia, anesthesiologists are the ones that um, keep you alive in the OR. So that was a very poignant person to point the direction to. And she was a fellow Asian. Um, She answered the call. It was over the phone and she said, how can I help you? And I explained everything that was going on. And she said, well, you're in a teaching hospital. Um, you know, this is where you will recover. This is, um, this is what will happen. And I was done. I mean, I didn't, I, the last thing she said to me was we will take very good care of you. And mm-hmm. I, my I answer to her was it is what it is. This was my last-ditch
0: effort. Yeah, but she did have that extra blood on hand.
1: I did not, unbeknownst to me, when ultimately everything hit the fan, um, the the one thing I didn't predict was that there was extra blood in a crash cart in the operating room. And Mm -hmm. later I found out that she was uncomfortable. She had never heard a patient speak so clearly about what happened before, had had um, a baby before. I'd had a C section before, so it wasn't the fear of the unknown, and sought out specialists to save her life. And with that one call, she flagged my file and incorporated the extra measures in the operating room that saved my life. Mm.
0: Where do you think these premonitions came from? Was it your own intuition? Uh, uh, do you think you have a, a guardian angel that was letting you know about these things? Was it, uh, was it? it could have been just a natural fear knowing that you had an unnatural condition or an unusual condition in your body. But uh, what do you, how do you explain it to yourself?
1: I I think a little bit of all of the above. I've been going through a very um, deep dive into the mechanics of how intuition works. Um, I, I tell people, I don't care whether you want to believe that it's divine intervention or whether it's something physiologically happening in your body Uh, The reality is we need to trust our gut and it's usually right. Um, And that you will never regret speaking up and being wrong, but you will regret it if you don't and you're dead. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So do I feel, I, I feel energy. I sense spirits. I see, I, I continue to have premonitions and feel things off of people. And on one hand I'd be like, okay, I have this one story to tell. It's what made a good book. This is what's happening. Um, And that's it. Like, I was done. I was like, great, fantastic. But what I've learned later also through IANS and different experiences, and Dr. Bruce Grayson had explained to me, you know, a lot of people that have had near-death experiences, it's it's, once you go asystolic, which is no electricity running through the body, and you get plugged back in, you're on high voltage. And so all of a sudden, you start feeling things off people that don't make sense. And, um, And I don't know whether I'll ever get the answer a lot of people theorize I mean I just had a discussion with somebody that said well you manifested it all to happen and I said okay so you think that I could manifest my hemorrhage a hysterectomy um general anesthesia my organs to combine just by my thought and you also think that I can perceive somebody's death or heart attack before it happens and I am willing that to happen and they're like well I it's a a theory I said okay it's all theories Right. I you know, I I have to go with what I feel in my gut. And I feel that there are guardian angels. I feel that there is life after death. Well, I know what I've seen. And um and through my experience, you know, the doctors tell me that foreboding exists before cardiac arrest or an embolus. And I ended up having an amniotic fluid embolism, which is different than what a traditional embolus is. Mm-hmm. Um, but with uh with that. Foreboding exists moments before, a day or two before, but months before, in detail of what was going to happen, and then organize those lifesaving measures, and speak to specialists, and and know, and visualize all of that domino effect. They can't give me a concrete answer. They're like,
0: hmm. we don't know. If you hadn't had these, and I'd like to get on to the to the yeah. NDE you experienced, yeah. but if you hadn't had these premonitions, you would have died.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at. Who, I mean, you know, di-
0: died and stayed dead, I guess is the yeah, way. I, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I mean, yeah, y- yes and no, right? You know, my husband said to me, um, you know, I always believed we were going to survive, so we're both right, right? So I said, you know, after we were done arguing over it, I said, okay, you're right. I said, so let's look at predetermination and free will. Maybe it was always in my cards that I was always going to survive something that's catastrophic, but how well I would survive was up to my free will. Me speaking mm. up, and so um, so most people don't survive what I had, and and the fact that I did and as well as I did was because I had the visions beforehand, and I inserted myself into my own narrative, hundred yeah.
0: percent. Yeah. What did you uh, What did you see in in those thirty seven seconds? And uh, I guess some of it was recalled through um, hypnosis. Regression
1: there, yeah, but, hypnosis. Yes. So uh, when I So I flatline, and then I was put in a medically induced coma for six days. And when I came out of it, I was obviously disoriented. It took me months to recover physically and neurologically. And at one point, you know, I was on a talk show and the host said, did you see the light? And I said, I don't know, man, they give me a lot of drugs, you know, Uh so... I said, I I don't know. And I said to my husband, I said, you know, traditional therapy is not helping me. Every time I go into therapy, they would be like, how can we help you? And I said, "Um, you can tell me how it is. I saw everything for months before. And they're like, let's not worry about that. Let's just worry about getting you out of the trauma. And I said, that's not going to help me. And I was continuing to have visions, like extreme visions that were turning out to be true. And it was scaring me to to actually leave my house. So a friend of mine had recommended, I speak to a regression therapist who had worked with um, Dr. Brian Weiss, who did the book many lives, many masters. And she was interested in going into past life regression. And I'm like, look, I, I can't prove if that's true or not. I said, but I would, if there's a way to go back into the moments of 37 seconds and beyond, I would like to do that. And so I had no, real belief system about hypnotherapy. I just knew I was exhausted. And if there was a way to find an answer, I was going to relax into it. And you could actually see me there. There's a part on my website at stephaniearnold.net slash. Um, I think it's it well, it's in the spiritual section. And when you opt in, you can see it. I recorded my hypnotherapy. So there's about three minutes of it. And she finally, after 30 hours of therapy, got me back into uh, the OR And at that moment, you see me go through a seizure and convulse, and then describe what I see as a complete out of body experience. Now, remember, I was getting a C section, so there was a curtain in front of my face, so I couldn't see below my neck. And what the doctors described to me about 10 minutes before they delivered Jacob, I think, well, I think I feel that I separated from my body at that moment because I didn't want to feel what was going to happen. So they told me they kept asking me questions. Are you cold? Do you need anything? Your husband's not here. We're here for you. And I wouldn't answer anything. I was catatonic. So um, she took me back into those moments and she said basically um, these memories are stored like film strips in your brain and under hypnosis you'll be relaxed enough to access those film strips and then they come alive in 3D and I was able to go in as the observer and I went into the OR. I saw my body on the table. I saw my spirit perpendicular to it. And then the moment of flatline, I saw this flash like a shooting star. Now, had I been the eyes of my spirit, then maybe I would have seen that light. But that is not, that wasn't my experience. Um, And then I had seen my grandmother and my uncle by the my side and they had been long past. And then when I got to this other dimension, there were wow. hundreds of spirits and I, there were people that I knew. And then I have, I've read articles from psychology today and what have you, I said, of course, when people are traumatized or going through near death experience, they wish that their loved ones were there with them, helping to guide them. And I'll, I'll give them that. That's fine. It's no problem if they want to stick to that. That's that's no big deal. But it's the ones that I didn't know that had messages for the people I knew when I got home, and that is the part that kind of freaked me out because all of a sudden. I had messages from my best friend's little brother who died when he was seven years old. My husband's father, who I never met, but, um, died in 1998 and he had a message for his other son. And I, I write all about it, but I, but it was this long journey to process if what I was seeing was true. then I saw then turning around and seeing what was happening in the OR, I saw who hit the button for the code, which nurse jumped on my chest to give me CPR, that my anesthesiologist was by my feet, that my doctor said. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. That my own doctor didn't deliver the baby. Um, Like, there were all these details what my daughter was wearing in the labor, or what my husband was wearing off the plane getting, uh, coming from New York, what my daughter was doing in the labor delivery room, the subsequent coma, like the days in where my mother almost passed out walking in to see me, what she was wearing. So, all of these, these details. And, you know, when I was done, yeah.
0: And, and these details checked out when you talked to, the people involved, they said, yeah, yes, so what ha- this did happen. Yes, that's what I was wearing, etc.
1: I was very happy that I had it on tape because, you know, my husband looked at the tapes and he said, well, this could be a recalled episode of Grey's Anatomy in your head. Right. And um, <laughs> <laughs> we've had many uh, an argument about it. And I said, you know what? It's a fair
0: economics will do that to you
1: a hundred percent. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I took, I said, yeah. I went back to the therapist. I said, how do you know what I'm telling you is true? And she said, sometimes the only validation we get is the patient feels better and you feel better. I said, that's not good enough for me. My, my producer mind, my research mind was like, I have witnesses. So I took the tapes back to the doctors who were present. And when I was there, I saw a nurse came up to me. I was saying thank you to people. And one nurse came up to me and said, Mrs. Arnold, you don't know me. I said, you're the nurse that broke my ribs. And she was startled and she said, and I would do it again to save your life. Mm. And then my doctor said, it's accurate down to where everybody was standing, what they were doing. I said, did you keep saying this can't be happening? This can't be happening. She said, I did, but in my head.
0: Mm. Interesting. When you saw these, all these people and you said hundreds of people, were they with you in the operating room or were you in in an entirely different place?
1: Entirely. And what was
0: it? And what was it? What is what do you remember about the place you were in?
1: Um, I didn't see any buildings. It was more of like an open and warm, inviting environment. I, interestingly enough, even when I see spirits today, I don't see ankles or feet because I don't want to have the confirmation that what I'm seeing is what I'm seeing. So um, I don't look down, but the people look like their best version of themselves like my grandmother was wearing a yellow apron in her 60s and she died with alzheimer's in her 90s um my uncle who was a smoker and you know had a beard what have you looked like a younger version of himself jonathan's father who passed away um looked like in his perfect tweed jacket with ascot and his walking stick and just everybody looked um beautiful and glowy and there were no buildings I didn't see God but I was two steps below where everybody was so it's almost like I'm walking up the step and then they are they're they're curious and then my uncle was like don't turn around and every time i turn around I'd see them hacking at my stomach and and having all the uh, the trauma or the drama that was going on to save my
0: life so you were actually moving from one dimension to the other back yeah. and forth.
1: Yeah. In- and when she finally, said, yeah, my therapist was like, you know, this is not going to hurt the way that it did the first time. And, and she lied. Um, But I don't, I don't know whether she actually knew what was going to happen. I think that this was one of those things that, you know, as intuitive as I am, I'm feeling everything viscerally. So I am seeing this. It's had, I'm having a hard time breathing when I went back into my body, I talk about this um, umbilical cord and being yanked back in, and it was not easy. But I am sure from a physical standpoint, it did not hurt because I had um, – I mean, all that – trauma. well, it must have hurt because at that point, they're not giving me any kind of drugs to calm the pain. They're just working to save my life. Yes. So, um, So in that moment from a visual from this therapy – I started feeling the trauma in the stomach. My stomach hasn't quite healed um, yet. And all of my, uh, all of my wounds are really in that pelvic area where I feel it um, periodically. But well,
0: broken, just the broken yeah. ribs from the CPR it took can a long be time a long time too. healing. Yeah. I When I, I spent eight years on an ambulance doing EMT work as well. And it's, such a horrible feeling. You know, you've broken a rib when yeah. you're doing CPR, yeah. uh, and uh, it's. But you gotta gotta do it. You, know, you
1: do. To, I mean, uh, I, and because I was edemic, I didn't feel it for a long time until the kidneys kicked back in. Then I'm like, why am I? Why is? Why am I so sore over here? Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you 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 mentioned the um, spirits that you've seen since then. Tell us about mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah, I've gone through moments where I've doubted what I've experienced. So I've been doing a book tour and there were maybe 50 people there and, and having a conversation. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start approaching the spiritual stuff. I'm going to start questioning it. I'm going to go out more because maybe, maybe this is not real. Maybe, I'm this, this is not, this is not actually what happened. Right. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, feel like there you know there's life after death but you know we don't really know because you can't see it and I mean as soon as I said that and I'm in a very old bookstore in Colorado and people there are incredibly spiritual so I am sitting in this bookstore I'm talking and I say that line and 50 people turned into 500 people literally out of the woodwork out of books, out of people and everything. And I almost passed out wow. and I sat back down and I finished my talk and three people came up to me and said, I saw that. And by the way, your grandmother's right behind you, just supporting you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not turning around. I'm not, I'm, I'm like, okay, great. I'm going back to the hotel. I'm, and I slept for two days. I was just like, I, I got knocked on my rear end with this energy and I mean I had a time and you're still trying to to grapple with the reality of everything. I had um, a pitch meeting for you know someone was buying my rights for the book and these are people I never met before and she's a well-known producer in Hollywood. I I had never met her but everybody's like she's no nonsense. And I'm there with 10 people. My um, agent had brought me there. And, you know, she comes to me and she says, you know, Stephanie, I'm a skeptical person. But I read your book. It's very interesting. I said, well, I'm not here to prove anything to you. I'm just here to pitch you a TV show. And she's like, okay, no problem. So we're sitting in the middle of the meeting. And all of a sudden I get a wave and I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. But I know it's not mine. So if I, if I honor what I say, which is, if you send something, say something, I need to speak up. But if I speak up right now, I'm going to blow this entire pitch. So imagine like whoever your listeners are, your biggest job opportunity in the world, and you're sitting in front of the person that's going to make that decision. And all of a sudden you say to that person, and I quote, I do not remember saying this. So this obviously had to be an out of body experience, but everybody else there remembers me saying this. I look at this woman, I say, I'm sorry. Um, there's a woman, I believe it's your mother standing next to you talking to you about a dress. She's trying to get your attention. She's like yelling at you to get your attention. This woman says to me, Stuff with my mother's okay, what, what's going on? I'm like, I I apologize. But apparently a male family member just had a heart attack, and I'm being told to let you all know. And, you know, now I'm crazy person in the room, right? So mm-hmm. So this woman says, okay, Stephanie, it's really nice to meet you. Here's your valet ticket. Meeting is over. My agent looks at me and she says, what's with the theatrics? I said, I don't know what to tell you. I just know that it overpowered me. And I couldn't say, I know I blew the pitch. I know it's over, but you know, there's something that happened. So I leave, I go right back in. Now I'm stalker, right? So I go back in and I knock on her door and I'm like, I am so sorry. Can you please check in with your family? Remember I'm convinced it's coming from her. She's like, Stephanie, you don't think I'm going to have a heart attack? I said, no, it's a male family member. I said, but can you please just call and check in? Okay, Stephanie, bye. So four days later, I get a call from her CEO of her company and says, are you sitting down? And I said, yes. And she says, well, he says, so first of all, she didn't think that you had certain abilities, but her um, mother has been passed for six years and she knew exactly the dress you were talking about. Um second of all, everybody was a little freaked out by it. And the office is split spirit and science, right? So she goes back to her office. Her sister called from New York. Her father had a heart attack at the moment you were feeling it. Um wow. he's gonna be okay. Um she doesn't ever want to talk about it again, and we're buying your rights. <laughs> that was like that was like God, that was a very difficult way to to go about it. But but at that moment I realized this is more than intuition, right? This is this is something else and I've been on this path to try and figure out what the heck is going on and how how do the mechanics work
0: mm-hmm. Well you know you're on a path now to educate people that thought like well, let's say your husband and and probably Jennifer. formerly yourself yeah. because this it takes a lot to open these doors to change a person's whole perspective from a basically materialist yeah. life on earth to a huge world of the spiritual, which surrounds us and invites us and communicates with us on a regular basis. So, Stephanie, sadly, we are out of time for today.
1: Okay, another <laughs> this time. Been,
0: this has been uh, so enjoyable and so, I think, uh, informative to our to our listeners, especially those who might have some doubts about the reality of um, uh, of the spirit world and and the reality of NDEs. Um, tell our listeners how they can find your website and your book.
1: Um, so, the audiobook just released this week with uh, the Surviving Death um, Netflix show. So, you can find it at StephanieArnold.net slash audiobook. You can get a free download of the prologue there. And the audiobook is available wherever audiobooks are Audible, Spotify, everywhere. Um, and if you want to get in contact with me, go through the website. That email goes straight to my phone.
0: Terrific. Stephanie, thanks so much for sharing the story of your NDE and your premonitions and how it changed the direction of your life. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our nearly 400 past shows, just go to NDE Radio and hit the Past Shows button. For more about INS, go to their website at IANDS.org. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying...